So, the screen machine is on either. We have a rare chance to go to the cinema. I wonder if you're the type of person who likes to go and see a good film. If films are your thing, I wonder if you're one of those people who likes watching the trailers. Some people get to the cinema really early just so they can see the trailers announcing what films are about to be released. If Emily and I are uh, streaming a film, she loves to watch through all of the trailers so she can make a mental note of what new titles are coming out soon. I'd like us to think about these trailers for a moment. I hope you know what I'm referring to. Trailers are tasters, short film versions of the soon-to-be-released feature. And they usually include a snippet of the, the best special effects or the funniest scene or the most romantic moment, depending on what the upcoming film is. Now, next time you go to the screen machine or a cinema on the mainland, watch the people around you at the end of a trailer. If the trailer has done its job, one of those people would turn to their neighbour and say, wow, I really want to see that film. I really want to go and see that. It looks amazing. Now, it might sound a little bit bizarre, but I think that these film trailers are a bit of a metaphor for the church. If we, as Christians, do our job well, people will watch our lives and say, wow, I want to see a bit more of that. I, I want to see the world that they came from. Throughout this series, we have been talking about the biblical model for evangelism. We've seen that at times God calls and equips specific people to be real gifted evangelists. These people love nothing better than standing up in public and proclaiming the gospel and they're articulate and they're convincing and oh, thanks to God that he sends us people like that. But we've also discovered that there are many more of us who don't necessarily consider ourselves very good with words. And maybe we're a little bit too shy or a little bit too anxious to ever be comfortable in public view much. And we've been finding in this series that actually, rather than us being excused or pushed to one side, we have a role to play as well. We have a calling from God. And over the last few weeks, we've discovered a bit of what that calling is. It is to live a life that raises questions, a life that surprises people, a life that through simple words and deeds alert those around us to the reign and the rule of Jesus. And I'd like us today to try just for a moment to picture that calling on our lives as being a little bit like a film trailer. Let's imagine that, that God's rule, the kingdom of heaven, the coming new creation that will arrive in full when Jesus returns is the main feature. It's like this massive, glorious, blockbuster film. If that is the case, our lives should be like trailers, giving people a little glimpse, but a real taste of what one day will come. 
in full to bring heaven to earth as the words of the Lord's Prayer says. Theologian Leslie Newbegin put it this way. The church exists for the sake of those who are not members as sign, instrument and foretaste of God's redeeming grace for the whole life of society. The church exists for the sake of its non-members. What a thought. That makes us different from literally every other social club in the world. Our purpose is not just to gather here and make ourselves comfortable and have a good time, though we do that. Our purpose is to take Jesus out to those who don't know him yet. But what do those three words that Newbegin used to describe this purpose mean? What does it mean for the church to be a sign, an instrument, a foretaste? Well, think of a sign. The church is a sign pointing people to the reality that's right around the corner, pointing people to the world that is to come when Christ returns, directing people to realize that Jesus is king. And one day he will be here. A foretaste, like a film trailer, a church, a place where people can get a taste of glory in the present, where we demonstrate what it will be like for men and women to live under the reign of God, to give people a glimpse of heaven and an instrument, not just a sign, not just a foretaste, but also a tool in the hands of God as he helps and works to shape the future of his planet. Through us and through the answers to our prayers, God is bringing his kingdom here. So our lives are to be lived like trailers to the great reign of God. But now that thought gives us another question. If we're to kind of anticipate and show what God's reign will be like, well, what is it like? What will it be like when God's reign is full and Jesus comes back and the new heavens and earth begin and all is put right? What will it be like then? If our lives are going to point to it, we need to know a bit about it. What are we pointing them to? And in chapter 7 of his book, Michael Frost gives us four characteristics to reflect on. He describes these as four essential elements to the reign of God that people need to know about. And he asks us to act them out in what we do. The first is reconciliation. Reconciliation is at the heart of what God is doing. Reconciliation between God and humankind was at the heart of what God was doing at the cross. That's why Jesus died for us. Listen to Paul explain this in 2 Corinthians 5. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. 
We are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, be reconciled to God. If reconciliation is at the heart of what God is doing, if it is at the heart of what the cross is all about, it makes sense that somehow we have to demonstrate reconciliation in our lives. And this is not just some weak or temporary reconciliation that we're talking about here. This is radical. This is far-reaching. Reconciliation between God and humankind, between Jew and Gentile, slave and free, black and white, male and female. And Paul explains the implications of this in Galatians where he says, In Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. So as Christians, then, part of what it means to be sent out into the world, to be a trailer to what is to come, is to be people who go out of their way to try and reconcile. To demonstrate God's reconciliation in what we do. So what does that look like? Well, it may be that you need to be a reconciler in your workplace. Maybe you're the one that's got to mediate between two warring colleagues to foster some peace between them. Or maybe God wants us to be the reconciler in our family. Maybe two relatives have fallen out. It happens all the time, doesn't it? They become estranged. And yet both of them still talk to us. Our role is not to play one off against the other, but to gently challenge the hardness of their hearts and try and find a way to get them back together again. And of course, living the life of a reconciler is also to tell the gospel to speak of the cross and what Jesus has achieved, that God has made a way for us to come back to him, no matter what we've done or where we've been. If we believe that the cross is the ultimate demonstration of the reign of God, if we believe that the new heavens and new earth will be a place of eternal peace, if we want to be a trailer for it, we've got to be people who make peace, to live a life of reconciliation. After reconciliation, the second characteristic that Michael Frost encourages us to reflect on is justice. Bringing justice really is what God's plans and purposes are all about. The Hebrew word for justice is mishpat, and it occurs over 200 times in the Old Testament. Mishpat means much more than just the punishment of wrongdoing, though it does mean that. It also means giving people their rights. It means giving people what they are due. Protection. Care. Over and over again in the Old Testament when it talks about justice, it's talking about taking up care for the widows and the orphans and the immigrants and the poor. Those who are referred to in some places as the quartet of the vulnerable. It means standing with them and doing everything we can to alleviate their suffering to free them from their struggles. There's another word that is related to justice in Hebrew. It's sadakeh, which means uh, righteousness, living a life of right relationships. It speaks about the way we are to treat people with fairness and generosity and equity. 
As Christians, we believe that Jesus came to bring both those things. Listen to these words from Isaiah 9 that we read every Christmas. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The reign of Jesus is a reign of righteousness. The kingdom of God is a place where all people are treated fairly and generously by God. And as we wait for Jesus to return and bring that kingdom in full, a kingdom where there'll be no more want or need or oppression anymore, we are to be a trailer for that by trying to do justice now. What does that look like? It means campaigning for racial and gender equality. It means promoting fair trade with our shopping. It means packing shoeboxes at Christmas and supporting work for the homeless. It means praying for the work of IJM and BMS as they challenge sex trafficking and modern day slavery. It means fostering disadvantaged children. It means looking after the environment. Every time we as an ordinary believer commit to a work of justice, we are demonstrating to those around us what the kingdom of God is like. What the Lord Jesus is working on this very moment. After reconciliation and justice, Michael Frost draws our attention to beauty. How does beauty speak of the reign of God? Well, think of it like this. I would guess that for most of us in this room, the times where we feel closest to God are when we're in a place of beauty, be it on a mountaintop, or walking down one of the fabulous island beaches, or in a place of just natural wonder. Takes our breath away, doesn't it? Or maybe we're in a beautiful cathedral or we're listening to a wonderful piece of music and we find that we're drawn to the creator of all things the beautiful. It's God. I remember once sitting in Iona Abbey and there was this choir singing some ancient Christian hymns. They were in Latin. I couldn't understand them. But I was caught up in the wonder of God in that place. And I sat there with tears streaming down my face, which was a bit unfortunate because I was on honeymoon at the time. And Emily thought something might have got a bit wrong. But beauty is a powerful thing. It communicates God's majesty to us. And there are many Psalms where the psalmist looks up at the wonder of the heavens and he declares, God, you are amazing. I worship you. And if that is true, that all beauty is a reflection of God and that the new heavens and the new earth when they come in for are going to be a place of beauty beyond our wildest dreams, then a little bit of what we should be doing now is bringing beauty into the lives of other people. 
The great New Testament scholar N.T. Wright put it this way. It is central to Christian living that we should celebrate the goodness of creation, ponder its present brokenness, and insofar as we can, celebrate in advance the healing of the world, the new creation itself. Art, music, literature, dance, theatre, and many other expressions of human delight and wisdom can be explored in new ways. So one of the things that God sends us out into the world to do is to create beauty. He is the creator God. He loves beautiful things. He made us to be creative. This delights him. So what does that mean for us? Well, it might mean writing a song or performing it in church like a number of you do. It might mean painting a picture or producing one of these brilliant hangings and decorating our church with it. It might mean making crafts that help children learn Bible stories at the beach mission. It might mean making delicious food and inviting others to come and join it with you. Michael Frost encouraged us to see that by doing intentionally beautiful things and then giving the glory to God is a great way of advertising what the kingdom is like and what it will be when we find ourselves in glory. So we thought about reconciliation, we thought about justice, we thought about beauty. All of these give us a glimpse of the kingdom of God. There is one more thing. Michael Frost encourages us to think about wholeness. As people discover wholeness, they come into contact with the reign of God. When John the Baptist heard that, uh, he was in prison at the time, and he heard that Jesus was at work in the land, He sent his disciples to check with Jesus that he really was the Christ. He really was the one they should be waiting for. Was he the one or should they wait for someone else? And this was Jesus' message to John. It's in Matthew 11. Go back to John and report what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. During his time on earth, one of the primary ways that Jesus revealed his kingdom was through his use of of parables and miracles. We're not to get caught up in the miracles on their own. We're to see them as forte, signs, trailers of what is to come. Every time Jesus healed someone, he was pointing to the kingdom where we will all be healed and suffering is no more. In a new creation, Revelation tells us there'll be no more sickness or disease, there'll be no more mental illness, no more depression, no birth defects, no scars. We will be made whole. And so it follows then that anything that we can do to promote wholeness in people today is to show people something of the reign of God. And in his book, Michael Frost describes it this way. Of course, many Christians are committed to bringing healing to the lives of others. Doctors, nurses, psychologists, counsellors. And I want to encourage these as important expressions of the reign of God. When Christians provide emergency relief to victims of natural disasters, we are showing them what the reign of God looks like. When we help repair a broken marriage, we are doing the same. 
When a Christian medical practitioner treats a patient with dignity and grace, bringing healing to their body, we can see it as mirroring the work of God. But we can go further than that. More than these practical expressions of healing, we should also be praying for supernatural healing in people's lives. So as we go about our daily lives, we are to look for opportunities to bring healing, to promote wholeness. And if some of those things seem beyond us, which they do often, we're to pray. To pray for God to act. May this community know that we are a praying church who will pray for the healing of the sick. On the first week of our series, we got the children to remember this verse. Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. All the things that we've just thought about are things that Jesus did over and over again. And he has placed his Holy Spirit in us so that we might have the power that we are sent out, just like those disciples were, to go and do what he is doing. It's not always easy. But we can find ways to do this. To reconcile, to bring justice, to create beauty, and to promote wholeness in the lives of those around us. And through all that we do, pointing to God and declaring that one day this will be all there is. Reconciliation, justice, beauty and wholeness. As we seek to do this on Isla, may our lives raise questions. May people want to know why we're doing these things. And may they come to know God for themselves.